you don't all know by now, you must have figured out that I am a big cheerleader for honesty. That's the value that my show revolves the most around. It's what all of my work revolves around. You know, honesty, even in the face of discomfort or pushback or even brutal, downright rejection. And this week, I want to get really fucking real, really, really, really real about a subject that makes nearly every person on the Western hemisphere of this planet clutch their pearls, so to speak. You know, especially over the past year and a half, we've seen that life is nothing more than a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, it's it's a scary and deeply unjust simulation. And it's difficult not to get really hung up on why some people have so much and others have so little. I'm referring to like basic fundamental rights and privilege and with that freedom and of course money 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 is an incredibly taboo subject even for people who have a lot of it you know it may even be more taboo for them or i should say for us and it's especially taboo for people who didn't earn that money themselves, but rather were born into it, grew up with it. You know, like, what did we, the descendants of privileged people, do to deserve what we have? Well, <laughs> absolutely nothing. If your parents are totally self-made, you can feel really, really proud of them while also feeling a complete sense of self-loathing. And you can feel immensely grateful for the opportunities that money has afforded you, even kind of like, you know, obsessed with these opportunities, maybe even get lost in the sauce, as they say, while also being existentially depressed and anxious because of that money. You know, before anyone has the chance to ask, I want to say why I felt inclined to do this episode now, when it feels like there are many more pressing issues to address. You know, to that I say, both on the internet and in real life, there's a tremendous amount of pressure for white people to own their privilege. I I would say it's expected for white people to own their privilege at this point. But when the topic of money comes up in tandem with that, the usual reaction varies somewhere between uncomfortable to extremely offended. And, you know, this is hypocritical because quite often, not always, but often privilege and wealth go hand in hand and wealth guilt is totally a subdivision of white guilt, and white guilt is loudly discouraged. So why honesty and repentance about some types of privilege acknowledgement, but not others, 
that makes no sense to me. And and you know what else feels hypocritical? Society is obsessed with money. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, right? But the West is deeply, deeply capitalist. And on top of that, as media consumers, we love watching and reading and hearing about the trials and the tribulations of wealthy people. Look at our insatiable obsession with celebrity culture. Who do we worship? Uh, The Kardashians, who have two billionaires in their family now, the housewives, the royal family. I mean, Gossip Girl has been trending mm, literally since the day it aired, which was well over 10 years ago. And there's a similar show for every culture now, like Elite or Elite and, and Baby. And I mean, let's not even get into how many people are choosing to spend their unemployment and, and stimulus checks in an attempt to dress and look like these people that we worship in the media. Like Westerners love to shit on the 1%, but they're addicted to consuming its, what's the word I'm looking for? Like its imagery and, and learning everything they can about it, especially the dark side of the 1%. So it is not out of the box for me to want to facilitate these conversations because uh, they're already happening. And to deliberately avoid talking about this is just straight up lying to ourselves and others about the way that our world works. And and it's it's selective honesty. You know, it's like choosing to acknowledge certain corners of the world and not others, which is not a holistic worldview. I've spoken about my background in past episodes of Health is Hell, especially in uh, part one of Private School Kids, NYC versus Europe. And I don't ever, ever want it to be the focus of the world that I've built. But I know that if I don't acknowledge it, someone else will. And they'll take my own narrative from me. And more importantly, I have to acknowledge that my privilege across the board is what's granted me the ability to be sitting in front of this microphone today talking about the shit that we're about to talk about. I get to tell stories for a living. I'm a fucking actor. And (laughs) despite the fact that I feel with every fiber of my being that it's my only calling in this life, largely because it's like the only thing I'm really equipped to do. It's also really lucky. I am so fucking lucky, like psychotically lucky as a result of both my parents' genetics and, you know, them just, I have no other way to say this, like working themselves to the bone, But as everyone who's a longtime listener knows, I've also suffered from a lot of debilitating mental health issues to the point where I was totally dysfunctional and then suicidal for a period of time. And some of these issues are genetic or a result of uncontrollable things that happened to me when I was young. And some of them are a result of my circumstances, but they all only started to resolve after almost 
two decades of therapy, which for the most part is very, very expensive and only available to the wealthy. And the perspective that I speak from is shared by a lot of my contributors that you're going to hear from today. I'm not from generational wealth. And when you've closely watched your parents create themselves and build themselves up from financial zero and then actively decide to share that wealth with you, it creates a certain emotional like obligation, right? Like, for example, I'm obviously so grateful that my parents have no interest in trying to control who I marry or even bring home for a weekend. But you'll hear from two of my contributors that the rule in their family is that they have to marry Jewish in order to get their inheritance. Like they have no choice if they want a comfortable life. Can you imagine for one second being promised the material world, having comfort dangled in front of you like a like a cat with one of those stupid toys on a stick, but only if you sacrifice the world, your private world, you know, that like exists inside your head and your heart. It really does not get more manipulative than that. And, you know, with me, my dad was kicked out of his house as soon as he went to college. His parents got rid of his room, which was small and which he always shared with his younger brother in like bunk beds. But his parents told him he needed to be on his own. And it really scarred him that when he would come back from school, he he had no place to go. It was basically like, you're an adult now, figure it out. And my mom's dad was a total piece of shit and kicked her and my grandma and my uncle out of the house when she was 17 and left them with nothing, like literally nothing since my grandma didn't work. This is Grandma Jean, who a lot of you may know from Instagram. And my mom had these aspirations to be a journalist and she won all sorts of student awards and she was so talented. But in that one moment, the ability to pursue her dreams was taken away from her because she had to take care of Grandma Jean, of her mom. And so as a result, both of my parents have honestly overcompensated and been like super adamant that I don't have to move out of my house. They actually didn't want me to leave. And repeatedly, like I would have to tell them, y'all, it is not the 1800s unless you have like a dowry ready, I can't be here (laughs) until I'm in my 30s. And, you know, because they've been so supportive of me for years, like, I didn't want to hurt them by leaving, even though I desperately wanted my independence. And I know, trust me, I know, because I hear it from my friends every fucking day. I know not having to pay rent for the majority of your 20s sounds like a huge luxury. And of course, in a lot of ways, it is. But it has absolutely hindered my ability to grow into a fully adult, responsible person at the age of 28. It took me so much longer than it should have to learn how to manage my depression and get the proper help 
and, and, you know, figure out my path in life. And I'm embarrassingly clueless about a lot of shit. Like, oh my God, there's the burp. Every single episode, there's the burp. I don't know why whoever is above does this to me. Anyway, what was I saying? I was saying that, I'm, yeah, I'm clueless. Like, I can travel halfway across the world by myself and live in the mountains and interview locals with the help of a fucking translator with no problems. I've done this. I know I can. But I can't sign the lease on a one-bedroom apartment in New York City without a guarantor. You know, like, yeah, on the one hand, having such a safety net has allowed me to create some really meaningful work and my own community and this world that I believe are all desperately needed. But I also think that I've wasted a lot of time that I can't get back, largely because I've missed out on a lot of opportunity to fuck up and explore and grow and really get to know myself through hardship. Because in a world that's motivated by money, where the pursuit of money gives people an easy, digestible sense of purpose and their life path, what do you do and how do you create a life plan when you don't need to do that. Contrary to popular belief, it's really not a black and white situation. And that's what this episode is about. Uh, The episode after this one is going to be a bonus episode, which will be an in-depth conversation between me and a great friend of mine who grew up way wealthier than me in Monaco. And we'll get into pretty considerable detail about our varied upbringings and the spoils of that and the emotional repercussions of them and the pressures of that. So I don't want to spend too much time today talking about it. And uh, let's jump into to you, into the submissions. Yeah? Off we go. Submission number one. Hi, I'm Josie Toda. I'm Alicia Pascual Peña. And I'm Yasmin Hamidi. We're three best friends, like literally sisters out of the same womb. We're also actresses and disruptors. And the host of new Crooked Media podcast, Dare We Say. Every week, we'll dive into the issues affecting our generation, from income inequality, LGBTQ rights, and the nightmare that is ours landing page. This is about to get, dare we say, heated. New episodes drop every Thursday starting August 11th. Subscribe to Dare We Say wherever you listen to your podcasts. I grew up on the West Coast in the wealthiest neighborhood in my city in an 8,000 square foot house with a pool and a sport court. My family has been in real estate my entire life. I went to public school, but it was funded by the property taxes of the neighborhood, which were high, and only kids from the neighborhood attended the school. I had a tutor all through school about three times a week, not even to teach me anything, just to make sure I did my homework and then turned it in. My friends in high school were definitely the work hard, play hard type. We had fake IDs at 16, smoked cigarettes on our school lunch breaks, wore fur vests and thigh high boots with heavy winged eyeliner and indiscriminately did every pill we could find. My dating life consisted of always dating financially below me. I found my peers too entitled. 
My mom and dad are still married and my dad provides everything for her, which she is completely fine with. One Christmas, he gave her a designer bag full of crumpled cash. They were pretty strict and I was getting grounded every other weekend, but that didn't stop any of my behavior. It only showed me how much I liked NyQuil. I had a nanny from age 2 to 12. She was basically part of the family. We took her on every vacation, bought her a car, let her live rent-free in one of my family's construction projects, etc. I grew up fairly normally until I got to high school in a slightly less wealthy area and found out there was such a thing as double-income households. I've flown on a private jet to my first rehab and around my state to make short trips for my dad's work. I've been on yachts in Italy with private chefs. I've crashed every car I've ever owned, including a brand new Audi and a brand new Mercedes. I've also crashed my mom's Mercedes and scraped my dad's Rolls Royce. My friends and I used to throw these huge parties at our friend's dad's business park with a warehouse. We had all this empty space to fill with people and beer pong tables, and that's where most of us started doing coke. I always say that my drug issues came from a neighborhood with a culture of rich kids with too much money and too much free time. My dad grew up without money, and I'm very close to him. His experience, in addition to my going to rehab and meeting so many girls with broken families, money troubles, abusive parents and family members, etc., gave me a much more well-rounded view of how most people live. I don't hide my family's wealth because I'm not ashamed, but I also don't go out of my way to break my neck showing the Bentley decal in my dad's car seat headrests. Car seat headrests. There we go. I have nice things, but I'm not into logomania. I don't think too much about it, honestly. When I was little, I never felt used by anyone I grew up with, but I did go to camps as a little kid, and one girl and I became friends, but her mom wasn't too into it until I called her house to arrange a playdate, to which the mom said no at first. My dad, as a test of this woman's authenticity, had me say, oh, too bad, I wanted to bring you to unnamed country club and then to swim at my house. The mom couldn't grab the phone fast enough to rescind her initial no. I never ended up hanging out with that girl. I have trust issues for sure, but that's due to my own lack of sufficient self-worth. My parents feel the same as I do about showing off wealth. They think it's distasteful to gain attention, or anything else for that matter, through material things. They're also pretty chill about the concept of a reputation. They've raised us to prioritize honesty, especially with my dad being in such a cutthroat industry. Of course, me going to rehab twice doesn't look great for them, but it was kept relatively quiet from the business world. It's not a dirty secret in my family, though. We joke about it. I actually have no idea if I have a trust fund or not. My parents told us our whole lives that we wouldn't get a single penny when they die, but they would pay for college and grad school. It took me 20 years to realize that's absurd considering my family's real estate portfolio. We're all expected to get prenups, though, which also leads me to believe my parents aren't hanging us out to dry in the inheritance department. I do like being known as the troubled, pretty, wealthy girl with a grounded personality. That's kind of my brand. So I've used that narrative surrounding me to lean on when I feel insecure about an ex moving on to someone else or when I start to compare myself. More money doesn't necessarily mean more problems, in my opinion. Growing up with money has instilled in me the belief that money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys security. 
And if I didn't have the safety net I was randomly blessed with, then I would have certainly struggled a lot more with my mental health and might honestly be dead. At the end of the day, I think it would be very white guilt, but make it wealth guilt to be wish to rate to wish to be raised any differently. I have seen and experienced so much due to my family's financial position that I would not trade it for the world. Submission number two. I have a friend who is astronomically rich and whose parents, I believe, although unproven, have in the past been involved in some shady dealings or malpractice in business. He always seems to go above and beyond to keep his father's specific business endeavors secret from us and tries very hard to make his father seem like a saint in his dealings. This has always rubbed me the wrong way, so I try to oppose it when people ask me about my family or our wealth. Essentially, I'm very open. My parents gained their wealth from inheritance and from another family member who, using my late grandfather's money and business backing, did very, very well. This family member provided for my family for a while and allowed us to live the lifestyle we have grown accustomed to. Only recently did we begin making our own large investments and coming into money of our own. When asked about my grandfather's wealth, I try to praise him because he was a great man on a personal level. I don't pretend to know anything about his dealings or any of my family's outside of my parents, for that matter. I like to think they're all fair businessmen and that they are good people, and I've had people who know better than me assure me that they are, but I know how rare that is. When sad, which is a rather common occurrence, I definitely tend to spend ridiculous amounts on good food and retail therapy. There was a particular three-month period as I was finishing my portfolio and applications for college, an insanely stressful time, that I spent an exorbitant amount of money on clothing. My monthly spending average on my bank account was nearly five times the usual. I didn't realize until months later when I looked at my statements how much I had been using shopping to alleviate my anxiety and give me momentary rushes in a time of such deep depression. The main reason I'm grateful for my wealth is the idea that I don't quote-unquote need to succeed. The knowledge that I will never have to sleep on a friend's couch or be homeless is the only thing that gets me through hard times as I navigate through a field of study and work, the fashion industry, that is incredibly hard to succeed in. Failure is only a mental consequence in my life, as it will likely never come with physical or consequential punishment due to my family's wealth. It's tough for me to say whether my thought that more money equals more problems is due to growing up rich or the higher education that comes with that wealth. I believe one of the main reasons I am unhappy with life is that I was always taught and believed that wealth would not amount to happiness. I was told to follow my dreams, but in a more existential sense than what most children are told. A dream is not to be a lawyer or a doctor and make tons of money. It's to do exactly what you want when you want and, in my case, to be creative without repercussions. This seems like a great way to look at life. Money is bullshit and it sucks to have to make money because you often have to compromise your happiness, but you'd be crazy to think it's easier to find happiness than to make money. I often wish with all my heart that I cared about making money in my life and that it was a model of success, but I simply don't. The only thing I strive for in my life is happiness and love for what I do. And yet, this somehow makes it even harder to find that thing. Currently, I'm pursuing something that I love, 
but who knows if I'll still love it when it becomes a job for me. Growing up with money has taught me to never do things I hate. So if I begin a job in this industry and don't like it, honestly, I'll probably quit shortly after. Submission number three. And this is interesting because this is a sibling of the person whose submission I just read. So they grew up in the same household. My family has strict unspoken rules about humility, gratitude, and privilege. It's really both a blessing and a curse because on the one hand, I feel so incredibly lucky to live the life I do and that I have been raised with the understanding that not everyone lives how we do. The downside, and when I say this, I say it with the recognition that my struggle is not really a struggle, is that sometimes I feel like I have to hide parts of my life. And if I slip up, I immediately feel guilty and embarrassed of my actions. I have to censor myself. I don't think I've ever explicitly used my wealth to make friends. I grew up in a very wealthy community, so I was never the odd one out. But I do think that people who have money and who can buy cool clothes or go on vacations are attractive to those around them. And that inadvertently makes making friends easier. Therapy is cool, but a little retail therapy or a lot of retail therapy can be just as fulfilling to me. I actually feel the opposite of unmotivated because of my financial status. I feel like because I know I have this security, I'm able to chase things that I'm truly interested in without the worry of ever being financially uncomfortable. I don't think I agree 100% with more money means more problems. I would say something more like more money, more problems that could probably be fixed through a good self-help book. Wealth gives people time to care about smaller things. So yeah, maybe more money, more problems but not bigger problems. Submission number four. My family works in real estate development. Growing up, I went to private school, an all-girls middle school, and then converted to co-ed in high school. I wish I had something juicier to share, but my experience was across the board fairly innocent and wholesome. I credit that a lot to where I grew up, a small-scale city that is not particularly cosmopolitan and where wealth isn't commonly projected. In middle school, I wouldn't describe my friends as mean girls, but we were definitely the type that would show up at a school dance all wearing tiaras or something nauseating like that. But my peers were, for the most part, humble people. It was the type of school where you could be considered cool whether you played sports or were into drama and everyone valued doing well. In high school, my friends were considered smart, attractive, and athletic, but as time went on, social groups became very integrated, and everyone just got along for the most part. It was when I went to college that I could notice a difference between the kids that grew up in bigger cities. It just seemed like my experience was more laid back and adjusted. My family to my peers, other than those in my inner circle, were often joked to be mysterious as they are immensely private people. It's not so much that we were told to keep things on the DL, I just wasn't raised to be flashy. They did an amazing job with instilling the right values when I was a kid. I'm not from multi-generational wealth. My father is an entrepreneur, and that work ethic has always been ingrained in me, while my mother is incredibly down-to-earth. I loved the way I grew up, but I was very disciplined as a child, and I wonder if that stifled my creativity as an adult. My parents weren't quite the helicopter type. 
From a young age, they trusted me and my sister to be largely independent. They supported us, but never felt the need to attend things like parent-teacher interviews, etc. I always had a nanny and a housekeeper, but not the consistent diehard member of the family type. Growing up, my dad was often gone on business as he was building a company in another city, but we always had quality time on weekends. I'm not overly public about money. Those close to me know, and I would say the way I present myself would suggest it at times. My father is extremely generous, and I fear people taking advantage of him, but it's not something I worry about for myself in my day-to-day life. I enjoy sharing experiences with my close group of friends that I trust and an occasional table at a club. When I have a lot going on emotionally, I'm not as thoughtful with money, and it's when I feel the most out of control. I don't know if I feel pressured, but when a family business is so prevalent in your life, it's hard not to gravitate toward that line of work. While I don't work for the family business, I'm generally in the same field, and I do wonder sometimes what path I would have taken if that influence had not been in my life. I live off of what I earn at my job for the most part, with help on accommodations. I think the goal of wealth is to have it become multi-generational and be able to share it with your family to come, which is what I hope to achieve. I resonate the most with this question of where do you go from here? I have a really strong work ethic, and sometimes I wonder why I'm putting so much into a job that I'm satisfied with, but in the grand scheme of my life, I know won't make a huge difference economically. I also think not relying on my paycheck for funding my life has caused me to sell myself short at times in a work setting. And as far as whether or not more money means more problems, yes, absolutely. Submission number five, and this one is pretty fucking awesome. I grew up on the North Shore of Chicago in a suburb with almost no socioeconomic diversity. My house was an early 1900s classic mansion on Lake Michigan, not visible from the street, gated, private beach, etc. My family was originally in oil and gas in the early 1900s. Now my dad is the CEO of a large private company based in Chicago. I went to public school, as did most of my town. There was a $40,000 a year private school we could have gone to, but my parents always emphasized how they were the little guys in terms of wealth, which in comparison to billionaires, yes, but they're easily in the 0.1% of wealthiest Americans, and tried to imbue me and my siblings with a certain down-to-earthness. I've never made any crazy purchases myself, but one time my old neighbor was going through her closet and gave me a $70,000 Cartier diamond watch for my high school graduation. Just glanced at it, decided she didn't want it, and handed it to me. It's in a safe at the bank now. My longtime high school boyfriend was new money. Giant McMansion, brand new Range Rover for his 16th birthday, used to pick me up for dates in the prom in his dad's Ferrari. I got to fly private and have tacos with George Clooney while staying at his family's Cabo house. I recently found out the family's in the mob. Unlike most kids who stuck to preppy brands, he loved Gucci and logos and the like. My parents were definitely confused, but he was a nice guy, so they never said anything directly to me about it. My mom was a helicopter parent, mainly in terms of my safety and whereabouts, and my dad was relatively kind, but extremely hands-off. 
My mom never cared about my grades in school, but was obsessed with setting an early curfew for me, 1030, and rarely, if ever, let me go to sleepovers. I could come home wasted out of my mind at 1029 and she wouldn't bat an eye. But if I showed up sober at 1035, it was a problem. She would always wait up for me by the door. My dad worked a lot, played golf most days, and never really made an effort to spend time with the kids. We've never gone to a meal or spent any time together, just the two of us. My parents' relationship definitely isn't terrible, but it's not what I'm hoping for myself in life. Ultimately, I'd say I grew up fairly normally. My parents are very frugal relative to their net worth, so I was never really aware of how privileged I am. I was always told that we were upper middle class, and I genuinely believed it because relative to my hometown, we probably were. I remember after Obama was elected when I was in the eighth grade, my dad told me that Obama was going to tax him for everything he's worth, that he's terrified for the future, and that I should be too. I couldn't sleep for weeks thinking we were going to lose all of our money and comfortable life. Of course, that was far from the truth, but I worried about financial security a lot as a kid due to the narrative my parents fed me. Even now, I will buy myself a little something, but I tend to have trouble spending money without feeling extremely anxious that I could all go away. Also, to my parents, reputation was everything. To be honest, I'm still recovering from that. The most fuck it up thing I did was quit my job a few months ago with nothing else lined up, though I have since started a new job and am once again getting my soul crushed. I grew up extremely sheltered and conservative. Trickle-down Reaganomics was gospel in my family and hometown. Up until I was 18, I believed the world was fair, and anyone who wanted to be wealthy simply had to work hard enough for it regardless of race, socioeconomic background, etc. The fact that I come from generational wealth was completely lost on me. I ended up going to Colorado College, which is an extremely liberal private college with the wealthiest student body in the country. So while I wasn't exposed to people with different upbringings while there, I was exposed to the idea that the system is rigged to favor those already in power, literally a brand new concept to me. I think a lot of my classmates chose to go to such a deeply liberal school because regularly critiquing the systems that created us almost feels like repenting in some way. When professors and students are cutting down the wealthy and the privileged in almost every lecture, I think it relieves some of the guilt we all have for being handed so much just for being born. It feels truly surreal to look back and realize how deeply flawed and harmful my views were before college, but I genuinely had no idea that the bootstrap mentality was a myth, systemic racism existed, and that one can't personal finance out of their their way out of a minimum wage job, etc. I've done so little to expand my circle of friends outside of high school and college as an adult because I'm so uncomfortable and ashamed of talking about or even alluding to the financial position my family is in. But I did just get out of a six-year relationship with my college boyfriend, and I definitely am worried about dating and being taken advantage of or being like just because of my money. I am constantly battling being super unmotivated at work despite intense and high-paying jobs. I refuse to take any money from my parents and feel like I somehow have to duplicate the success of generations before me to feel like I quote-unquote earned the financial stability I'm going to inherit. 
Logically, I know that any wealth I do accrue for myself will be partly or mostly due to the privilege I have, but I also feel like pursuing my passions is somehow ungrateful since I'm not attempting to lay the groundwork for generations after me. It's a truly fucked up way to think and live my life, but all the therapy in the world can't seem to rewire my brain. I wish that I had been aware of the position my family is in. When I finally made the realization, it felt like my whole life and worldview had been a lie. I went from thinking that everything accomplished, high test scores, getting into a competitive college, was solely because of my hard work. Then, once I had my political awakening in college, I felt like any good outcome I achieved was solely because of my privilege, and I couldn't attribute any personal success to my hard work. I still have a hard time discerning what's real and what's not, and have a hard time trusting my intuition. I also have really intense imposter syndrome and can't take accountability for any of my successes, only my failures. If I have kids, I will absolutely raise them with an awareness of the advantages they have in the world, but also reinforce that they have so much power in their own lives to build whatever they want with it. Lastly, in terms of whether more money means more problems, this is something I consider all the time. On the one hand, I am so deeply grateful for the financial safety net my family has created. My dad had cancer a few years ago and quickly had a million dollars in medical bills before insurance. For most people, that would completely ruin their lives and their futures. My family didn't have to think twice about it since he had amazing health insurance and the remaining out-of-pocket costs were barely a rounding error in his accounts. When my grandparents were sick and dying, they had the best in-home care without having to sacrifice anything in our lives to pay for it. I know if I have kids, they'll never need to worry about money either. But on the other hand, I feel so guilty for what I have, how ignorant I was, the fact that I'm not trying to make the world a better place through my career and what I should be doing differently with my life. So ultimately, I don't know whether or not I agree with that statement. I grew up in central New Jersey, in East Brunswick, New Jersey. The first house that we had was, uh, you know, like a regular sort of first family house. It, it wasn't like anything extravagant, but when we moved, our company like built a house that was for us. It was like a private sort of situation. And that house was amazing. It was like 35,000 or 3,500 square feet. It was backed out into a lake. It was on a cul-de-sac on a quiet block in the middle of the woods. It was really beautiful. So my family works all in real estate. We work in real estate development, multifamily, single family, and commercial real estate in New Jersey, in um, Atlanta, and then we have a little bit in Texas too. When I was growing up, I went to private school, a private Jewish day school. That was a whole thing because my mom obviously wanted to keep me in sort of like a upper class Jewish lifestyle. So like we went to Jewish day school. Everyone we knew was Jewish. Everything I did when I was growing up was related to Judaism. Um, and then I was meant to transfer from Solomon Schechter to go to private school to go to Rutgers Prep, which is where my sister and my brother went to high school. But I like purposely failed out of the entrance the entrance exam because I didn't want to uh, wear the uniform. Literally, they were like, she can't come here. Like she's not intelligent enough. And I didn't go. And I went to public school. The things that I did in school, like I was a big theater girl. I always played tennis and piano and I was very, you know, 
well-rounded in that way. I was a volunteer at the hospital. I like did all the things that you were supposed to do when you were like a wealthy kid who gives back. My parents have a terrible relationship. I don't even think it's like terrible. I wouldn't call it that. It's just like nothing. Like my dad worked for our company. Uh, They gave him a position there as the CTO or CFO. So he was the chief financial officer, like literally a 30 year old person, which was wrong. And he was quietly stealing money. I think he stole a sum of like $60,000 from our family company. And he put this woman on our payroll that he was like literally fucking. And she lived at our property out in Atlanta. And he would like go make business trips to like go see her. They found out through like cell phone records that she was having conversations with him. They called her. She kind of spilled what was going on. And my parents got divorced, obviously. And my mom is obviously very involved in my life. We talk to each other every day, four or five times a day. Typical Jewish mother shit. I really love her. And she's a really strong person. And she went through three or two failed marriages. And now she's in a long-term relationship with the person who she's with now. She is tough as nails, but she has every right to be. It's hard to say because I feel like it was normal up until a certain point. And then like the stuff with the divorce and then my mom like getting remarried to like this other dude is like, it seemed normal at the time, but I feel like now it really wasn't normal. Like it was very chaotic and it was disjointed. And like she had went through like a major depression, like at a very important time in my life. The fun stuff every single weekend was like go into the city and spend time with my grandparents and go to Broadway shows and go to amazing dinners and eat at Maria and like just as kids you just like shouldn't be going to like amazing Michelin star restaurants but we did and we have an amazing um, penthouse apartment in Boca Raton and we spend every Christmas and we used to spend every end of the summer there I remember we like one time rented a yacht that the person that was running the company of the yacht company told us that like Beyonce had stayed with Jay-Z when they were like in the early years of their relationship on that yacht. We had credit cards that had no limit on it and they were connected to my mom's. My family's really big on gifts for birthdays and stuff. We would get like Louis Vuitton bags and Gucci shoes and designer stuff. And, you know, we were always too young for that. And like, we would always get like diamond jewelry for like birthdays and shit that were like important. And we would literally lose it. Like I remember, oh my God, my grandparents got me this like pearl necklace that had like, it was beautiful freshwater pearls that had like a diamond clasp. And I literally lost it like in my house. I just like was wearing it around one time as a costume and just lost it. Like I have no idea where it is. And they bought me another one because they were like, you need to have it. Also, all the women in my family have this necklace that is a um, butterfly that has rubies, emeralds, sapphires, and diamonds as like the colors of the butterfly and they made extra ones for like any other women that we end up having in our family so that we can all have the same thing and like when we have family events we all wear it which i now think is like really weird and culty but i mean it is what it is and we like went a bunch of times to israel uh and we like all flew first class and we like take up the entire first class so we like buy out all of first class and we just like had it as a family that's like pretty crazy getting into this whole thing of like was there a moment when i realized that i was richer than everybody else like i remember a boyfriend of mine who had never seen my house before like coming to my house for the first time and being like holy shit like you're rich and i was like what and then when i went to his house i was like oh my god do i have trust issues 
No. I mean, people always tell you like your whole life, people only like you because of like shit you have and like what you can do. And I don't really want to believe that like the people that are my friends or are around me are people who are like only after me because of my money. And I've done a really good job, I feel like, of being really modest and not trying to be very outlandish. Just under this whole thing of like, are there caveats to the access to all of our money and like this whole marriage prenup situation? So first of all, Graham did have to sign a prenup. We both signed a prenup with each other, but it was initiated by me because I own, you know, parts of my family business and I am an owner and I make money off of my family company doing well. So I'm not just like working there and I have a salary. I make money from the business. It was really difficult to go through that process. And we were going through that process in quarantine last year. So it was even double difficult because we were like going through lawyers to talk to each other about stuff, which was really horrendous. And we had a couple fights. The caveats to the money as a child of this family, you get a piece of our family business at a certain age. And with that comes a contract. And that contract has a lot of different things within it that you have to follow in order to have access to the money. Yeah, you're supposed to marry Jewish. That's the only thing I'm going to say because who cares? But they can convert. Do I feel like growing up this way has made me lazy? There's this problem and this double-edged sword of like, you want to work, especially with me because I work in my family business and I want to present And I do want to work hard for what I deserve, you know? So there's this level of like, I think I deserve something and I want to earn it. But then there's this other part of me that's like, but you're getting it. You're getting it anyway. So I try to fight against that like pretty rich girl. And that's the only thing I am. And the only reason I have anything that I have is because I grew up wealthy in these towns where everybody knows my family name and everywhere we went to restaurants and to things and to places and to events. And everybody knew I was, you know, this person's granddaughter and whatever. It just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And it made me want to be like, okay, but like, what am I, what am I for myself? And now we are actually going to hear from that person's younger sister. So we get two perspectives from the same home. See, the thing about dating, it was never like I dated someone from like the wrong side of the tracks or like from a different, uh, like that was never the issue. The issue was that they weren't Jewish, which is like, like, I'm sure a whole other episode you can do. That was the roughest part for me. I dated, I had a boyfriend in high school. I didn't tell my mom about it. I'm pretty sure she knew. Uh, had a, had two very serious relationships in college that were never taken seriously and never like given the time of day because they weren't Jewish. And then like, if it happened to be that if they weren't like presenting as wealthy, that would just be like another notch on the thing. My ex-boyfriend, my most recent ex-boyfriend was studying to be in like hospitality and be in real estate and like be successful in that area. But, you know, he like did music on the side and we did music together. So it was always like, well, he's a starving artist. So, you know, how's he going to take care of you? And I was like, well, you're using that as an excuse because that's not what he is trying to be. And he actually comes from a wealthy family that was royalty in another country. But, you know, that's never enough. I'm with a very wealthy woman and she did it all by herself. My mom was very involved in my life. Probably too much involved in my life. And yeah, I think my mom holds money over my head a lot. 
like a lot. Like when I, she didn't like my boyfriend, it was like, well, I'm paying for your apartment and I don't want him there. So he's not allowed in your apartment that I pay for. And I was like, well, you're not going to know if he's there. So fuck off. Um, it's always like, uh, well, I do everything for you. I pay, I pay for you. Like I, I, you don't have a care in the world and you can't give me this one thing. And I'm like, this one thing, this is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. But you know, sure. There's not a worry for me of like fucking it up or like, uh, hurting the reputation of my family. It's never that. There is immense, immense pressure to match what my family has done, especially because, you know, there are members of my family in the younger parts of my family who have decided to work for the family business and they like benefit immensely from that. They get so much money, like so much more money than you'd be getting if you were a normal employee, like, you know, nepotism. I have chosen to not work for the family business, so has my brother. And I think we both feel like a, a, a huge pressure to amount to as much as what my family business has amounted to. You know what I mean? Like, we will benefit and have the security blanket of my family business and, and the percentages that we own of the company and that kind of stuff. Like, we will benefit that forever. We'll, we will benefit from that forever. But I think there's a pressure for me, at least, to, like, hold my own and have the lifestyle that I've known to have. Like, there's pressure for me to to uphold the lifestyle that I've been used to having because of my family business just out of what I – out of the career that I make. I have a worry of being lazy and demotivated because I have a safety net that I know will always be there. It's not that I'm not motivated because I am extremely motivated. I think it's just like my family and has only really ever cared about family. You know, they haven't really cared about like they haven't used their money to like go off and like achieve their dreams. You know, like they have used their money to go on vacations and um, make sure our family's taken care of and make sure we go to great schools and all this stuff. And they, they've used their money for that. I don't want to do that. Like if I have these benefits and these privileges, like I want to use them to achieve my dreams and my goals. And I think my, my fear is that I will just be like, oh, you know, like dreams and goals. That's so complicated and so difficult. Why don't I just not do that and just enjoy life? and give up on my dreams because I have like such a good life already. Like, why would I try? Like, people would kill to be in my shoes. So why would I try to make my life any harder than it has to be? Because it doesn't have to be that hard right now. You know what I mean? That's the fear. That is the fear is that I will just one day be like, um, yeah, I don't really care about like working hard. Like, I don't want to work. So I don't have to. And I'm not going to. It's not like my family has used their wealth to like let everyone pursue their dreams and passions. Like it's very much, here's the family business. If you want to do that, you can do that. But everything else, like I've done myself. There's nothing in the world that could explain why I was born into the family I was born into, but I was. And it's truly like anyone's dream situation in terms of wealth. It's very hard to wrap my head around why I deserved that. I'm, tr- I try not to question it so much. And all I can do moving forward is use that wealth to better the world, amplify other people's voices. I don't know, you know, tr- try to give back. More money, more problems. I don't know. My family has a lot of fucking problems, a lot of fucking problems. And I think me and my mom 
have a lot of fucking problems. And I think that money has been a shield. I think instead of, you know, actually sitting down and talking about what the fuck is wrong, you know, going on a shopping spree does the trick. That'll get me to smile and, and act like we have a relationship that is not, you know, falling apart. I feel like everybody has problems. It's just when you have money, money is not a problem. And that just leaves way for a lot of stupid fucking problems. So I grew up in Bozeman, Montana. It's definitely a place with mixed levels of wealth. Um, it's like a hot spot for second homes, especially as it pertains to like all of the ski resorts. Cause you've got the Yellowstone club, you've got the big sky ski resort, and then you also have Bridger bowl. And there are also a lot of really famous, um, golf resorts around my town as well. So I grew up in a four bedroom ranch style house and it was on a really large property. And then the property had two other buildings. We had an external building that we used as a movie room of sorts. It had movie theater seats and then a projector. And we had a, another building on the property that my mother used to create her art. And then she also had a gallery in the back of the building where she showed her art. And then behind that, we had a basketball court. And then my grandfather, who was like ever the patron of being just this, just the funnest person ever. He loved his grandchildren. He built this like secret maze in the upstairs game room it had like a pirate door and in order to get into the maze you had to oh you had to like flip up the eye patch on the pirate and there was a little button there in place of the pirate's eye and then you could crawl through this led lit maze up to like this secret room it was very cool um they also had a ski in ski out style lodge on bridger bowl one of the only ones so my grandfather is a franchisee and then my father's company um they designed and distributed wheelchair cushions i didn't go to summer camps because i was a golfer so i spent you know every single day for the entire summer golfing for like, you know, eight to 10 hours at the country clubs and my family's. So my grandparents and then my family, we were all members at different country clubs. So I was able to go to all of these different country clubs. At the time I was always, I was always bummed out that I couldn't go and like raft with my friends and, and float down the river and do these things. Instead, I was always golfing. And now as an adult realizing how expensive of a hobby golfing truly was, that was definitely a big wake up call for me and one regard, you know, I was also a ski racer. These are hobbies that cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, I was getting lessons from the golf pros at these country clubs two to three times a week. And these are lessons that are costing, you know, $400. I would then rack up a tab on my grandparents bill, you know, like these were things that I just had at my disposal that I never truly cognized how expensive these things were. My family was definitely split down the middle. My little brother was experiencing severe behavioral issues when he was in elementary school. And my parents ended up taking him out of school and um, encouraging him to sort of channel his chaotic energy into something else. And they chose motocross. So my little brother ended up 
getting homeschooled and he and my dad would travel around the United States and compete in motocross tournaments. So I think that obviously like having it be my dad and my brother and then my mother and I, that was very strange. But at the same time, I look at like my ex-boyfriend and his family and how they didn't have a lot of money, but they all seem to on the surface, you know, love each other. But then when I sat down with them and got to know them, I realized that they had sort of made a pact with each other that nobody was going to address any of the issues. They were all just going to shove them under the rug. My family did have an airplane and And my dad and my little brother used it primarily to get to and from motocross tournaments. There was one time that I did something that was motivated by money. I was trying to get kind of on the good side of the more popular girls in my class. And I asked one of the girls if she wanted to fly to, I think we were flying to um, one of the motocross tournaments and I asked her if she wanted to go and she was like, yes. And we got on the plane and, you know, I was showing off for sure. We got on the airplane and we took off and it was just instant karma. They were like, something's wrong with one of the wings. We need to land and we're not going to be able to do this today. There was one Black Friday when I had just gotten my first checkbook when I literally went around town and spent thousands of dollars in checks. And obviously, I didn't have that much money in my accounts. My parents put money in my accounts every month. Um, so I these checks were bouncing, which meant that obviously I needed to return these clothes. But I have always had this like social issue when it comes to returning things. I have never been able to return things. It's like I don't want people to think that I need to return something. It's like I want them to like know that like I don't even need the money that bad. It's just neither here nor there for me. And like that has like literally caused me to do the stupidest shit in my life. Like I think about when I first got car insurance and everything was just such a contest for me. Like she was like, you know, what year is your car? And I fucking lied and said my car was newer than it was, like a total nutcase. And then I told her I was driving more miles in the week than I actually was. And so, of course, I end up having insurance that's more expensive. And it's just things like this that I did as a as a young person that I never really fully was able to cognize until fairly recently. The most lavish gift I've ever received is this one-of-a-kind Gibson that's signed by Jack Nicklaus, who's, you know, one of the most incredible golfers that this world has ever seen. And my grandfather actually won it for me in an auction. And what's funny is I had just started guitar. I was just picking it up and I was literally gifted the most beautiful guitar on planet Earth. I think I've had a lot of wake-up calls But I would say the biggest wake up call is trying to, you know, make a career out of music and out of my art, you know, trying to monetize a hobby. These are things that it takes a lot of money to do. I do have the money to spend. It takes so much more than even I have. And and that that becomes a wake up call because you're like, oh, okay, like, how am I going to make money to sustain the lifestyle that I was raised living? In the beginning, I was very public about my family's wealth because to me, it was something that I thought made me cool. And when I first moved to Los Angeles and I was working in this industry, um, the music industry, 
I remember telling people, you know, my grandfather's a franchisee and my dad and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't realize until later that they were actually, you know, upselling their services to me because of that. And that took me, it took me a long time to be private about things and to realize that I actually don't owe everybody an explanation for how I have my money, where I get my money from. I have always used money as a crutch. And one thing that I feel I want to talk about more than anything else is how the rich have access to therapy, to mental health services, to Ayurvedic medicine, to stuff like this that actually give you the, it's like the rich have access to happiness because even though money doesn't buy happiness, money does buy therapy and therapy is expensive. And most insurances will not cover therapy, which is crazy to me. Being able to go to Whole Foods and spend $200 on supplements alone for my anxiety and for my sleep is an incredibly lavish thing that most people don't have. I have a pretty wonky relationship with my father. And when I was younger, I think one of his, I think he was jealous of my grandparents and how they had a bit more money than he did and how they were willing to help me. And because of that, he constantly was telling me that I had no work ethic. Him doing that ended up instilling in me this really toxic behavior where I had the need to work constantly. So I was never lazy. I was always working, but it was so toxic that like even sleeping in, I would feel like the worst person on planet earth. If I didn't work like sun up to sundown, I would feel like I didn't deserve to sleep other than violence being a route to having a strong manhood. They say money is a route to having a strong manhood or having a good job. And like, so I think my grandfather was a threat to my father. And because of that, he was constantly taking out on the people around him. But it took me a long time to realize that I'm allowed to stop working at five. I really do not believe more money, more problems, because I believe not having money is a big problem too. And to ever say more money, more problems when you've never experienced not having a lot of money would be, you know... That would just be batshit behavior. So I don't really even feel like I have the the ability to comment on, on that because I actually don't know what it feels like to not have money. So I'm not sure. But I will tell you that having money has caused a world of issues in my life. You know, my parents have been getting divorced now for 11 years because there was so much family money tied up in it and because they made so much money during the whole marriage. And now there's a judge trying to figure out how to split this money up. And that's, that's tough. So I grew up in an area of Long Island called uh, Cold Spring Harbor. It's actually uh, named after the first, or Billy Joel named his first album after it. Big Billy Joel town. And it was pretty segregated from other areas of Long Island that are more diverse. Uh, it's very like waspy and uh, lots of like country clubs and yacht clubs and boating and shit like that. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. My dad works in insurance. We went to public school because uh, it was just super high taxes. So the public school is pretty much like a private school. I did date a girl that was like, you know, a rich girl for like almost a decade through um, high school into college and then after college, which was fucking terrible. I think I did grow up fairly normal compared to some other people in my town. Um, I think also my parents' wealth or you know, whatever they 
choose to show for their wealth has like increased greatly since I was a kid. Now it's like I'm on the upper end of the spectrum, but when I was a kid, it was pretty normal. So, I mean, I definitely got to see the two ends of the spectrum. Jets, yachts. My brother crashed an Audi RS7 into the front sign of our school. Like a massive stone sign built up like bricks and shit. He fucking slammed the car into it. It was fine, but it was fucking stupid. We go to this place in Jamaica called Round Hill, which was like, we we used to go there a lot when I was a kid, which, uh... Ralph Lauren is, is always there, which is kind of cool. Another, you know, we I saw, I, I ran into Justin Bieber there with Selena, and they were, uh, they had, like, a big fight in the water. It was kind of weird. They are like, crying and then, like, dancing in the water. It was fucking strange. He was, like, there for his dad's wedding or some shit. When I first moved to Brooklyn, I felt the pressure to... Um, not display any of my wealth and keep it very like on the down low um, but I think like I'm getting older I'm, f- I'm fucking 28 I'm kind of like fuck it who cares like I got dealt a good uh, hand I'm a video director so like, I can use this to produce projects for other artists and prop other artists up and, and use this uh, use this wealth to help other people I've never felt taken advantage of Used. I think that if anything, like I put myself out there as like, hey, let me make this happen because like I want this to happen and I can make it happen. I did have a friend though. They own lots of sports teams and big companies um, and they have lots of access to things. So I remember, you know, people were always asking for like, hey, can I get a ticket to this thing? Can I, can you do this for me? Can you do that thing? I mean, we were fucking kids. I think that that affected him a lot and it became sort of paranoid around like why people were spending time with him and stuff like that and he honestly i think has become a little bit has become an incredibly like anxious person and potentially even agoraphobic because of that when i was born my parents were super young they were like 25 my dad was in law school my mom was like uh working at a desk at calvin klein as a graphic designer um and we had like nothing like we were like living in my grandma's basement um and my mom, like, I, I had my little brother with me, and, like, she, like, couldn't afford a babysitter. She would, like, take us to the parking lot and, like, watch us outside the window of her office, like, and just, like, leave us in the car. Um, so the the increase in wealth has been over such a span of time and over so long that, like, it really didn't register to me until I was old enough to sort of realize it, which is probably sometime in college. And I was there for a semester I was like I was like oh yeah I'm gonna lock in and like I'm gonna take Chinese class like I'm gonna be really good and like I'm gonna learn so much I got there ended up like get, becoming really good friends with my roommate and uh he was dealing weed so I started dealing weed with him and then uh and then I fucking like you know started I missed like one class of Chinese started just like failing the shit out of Chinese um and then I was just I was just like fuck it I started failing everything and uh and so I got, I, my parents had set me up with like this like ADHD person there because I got pretty bad, very bad ADHD. And, uh, you know, she got like a red flag on her, you know, computer or whatever. I was like, Hey, John's fucking feeling everything. So I went into her, her office and, uh, and she was like, Hey, John, you know, like what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not really digging it here. And like, I'm not, I'm not learning and like, I'm not really liking it that much. And she's like, well, why don't you just leave? And I was like, hmm, it's kind of weird. This like guidance counselor 
ask me telling me that I should leave the school. Anyway, so I ended up dropping out of college, like, in the first semester. At the time, I think it was, like, a really big, like, oh, wow, like, John fucked it up. Like, you know, look at this fucking, you know, spoiled kid, you know, just, like, taking college for granted and stuff. I remember my aunt and uncle were, you know, like, you know, saying shit like that to my parents that I found out later. And then I went in, I worked in, like, construction for a while. I actually became, like, really close to this group of guys. Like, we uh, really, like, bonded hardcore. Um... And it, I think it was just through, like, communication and, like, learning from each other. So, like, every every morning I'd pick them up in my, like, you know, little rich boy car. And I'd pick them up from, like, you know, their house in Westbury. We'd all go to the construction site together. We'd work all day. We'd laugh. We'd hang out. And then at the end of the day, I'd drive them all home. And they all lived in this, like, relatively, like, small house with, like, 15 other families were living in. And we'd grab, like, a, a shit ton of Modellos and... uh and smoke weed and just talk for like hours. And, you know, I would tell them about my life and they would tell me about theirs. And like, it was in those moments that like, I really was like, okay, holy shit. Like I'm living in a way that's very, very, very different from these people. And I'm living in a, such a position of privilege with so many opportunities that I can like literally do whatever I want to do. Like I remember they were they would tell me stories like you know about like coming here. Like I remember there's one kid who uh, he was like 16 from El Salvador, telling about coming over here like in you know the secret compartment in the back of a van like through the desert like 100 degree heat, no bathroom until like a bucket. And he was there. He's like sending money back to his girlfriend in El Salvador. They have a baby. Kind of got to me. And I was like, yeah, what? A, uh, I have you know parents that are willing to put me through school and give me an education, and I can and I can go on to do you know whatever I want to do. And you know I, I should take advantage of that. So eventually, like, while I was working on the construction site, I started making an art portfolio at my in my parents' basement, and uh, ended up getting like a scholarship to Parsons. And then I did that. I definitely fucking use money as a way to get friends or social climb or um, even even for my friend my good friends that I have now, like being like allowing us to do something together that like we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Um, like we were just uh, we were just in. Uh, my parents have a place, place down in Florida, so we we went down there, and then, like, you know, we, it was Memorial Day weekend, you know, so a lot of my friends are not in the same position as I am, and, like, you know, we can't, they can't, like, do something like this, but, you know, we just, like, we got a boat, we got a captain, and we, like, you know, we went out to uh, the Bahamas for, you know, the weekend and stuff, and, you know, that was, like, kind of something that I put together, so um, definitely, I mean, it, sometimes it's used in a way as a, as a, uh, a social crush, but I think for other, in other times, like it's for me to show, uh, people that I'm close to, like, hey, like, I, you're close, you're, you're, you're part of my life, and like, I want to, uh, I want to have this experience with you. I think that people with money have different problems that I think are not seen because, you know, people, uh, it's, it's hard to empathize with somebody who fucking lives in a mansion, but is a, you know, totally depressed and, and sad person. With the with the problems, like, in the school, it's like, you know, one place, like, the biggest problem is like, oh, yeah, the, the gang kids got in a fight again yesterday. And the biggest problem in my school is like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so got addicted to fucking perks and sands and is fucking blowing lines off the table in the back of the fucking science classroom. And every time the fucking science teacher comes in to, you know, fucking tell the kid to stop doing that, you know, his, his parents are huge donors to the school, like, you know, 
get him off. And then he, you know, ends up getting more and more addicted to drugs and ends up like, you know, hanging himself or some shit. So the problems are just different, I think. I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut. I would say it was mostly people of high income, very wealthy. There were some people that were in the medium range. Um, while I was living there, I'd say my parents were probably in the medium range, um, but my grandparents were wealthier than them. I went to public school when I was in Greenwich, but um, my family did move overseas when I was 13, and I went to private school while I was living overseas. Um, my parents were very wealthy when we were living overseas. Our house was a lot bigger. I had my own floor. I think we had a four-floor house there. We had two drivers and a chef. What were my friends like? <laughs> everyone was quite wealthy. I mean, everyone had Louis Vuitton backpacks that we'd all match and wear to school together. Everyone bought each other Dior makeup as gifts, that kind of stuff. I would skip school to go shopping to buy purses a lot with friends back before two-factor authentication was a thing and I could just log into my mom's email and tell the school that I had a doctor's appointment. Um, my parents were not super involved. We would see each other, but they kind of let me have free reign, do whatever I want, just very much a, if you get into trouble, you can call us kind of vibe, but make your own decisions. I think when I was like 15, my curfew was 3 a.m. They really did not care. I had to leave wherever I was by 2.30 in the morning. So however long it took me to get home, it didn't matter as long as I left where I was by 2.30, which for me meant leave at 3 a.m. I remember there was this one time that my mom and I were in Singapore and she decided she wanted to go to New York the next day. And um, so she went and bought us airline tickets, but the only flights available to get back to New York the next day were on this airplane. And this route is now discontinued, um, but basically they had gutted an entire airplane and made the whole thing first class. And it was uh, a direct flight Singapore to New York, which took... 19 hours. I believe those tickets were eight grand each. When I was raised, I was like taught very much not to talk about money, not to talk about wealth. Um, my grandparents were pretty wealthy. They had two houses in different states, belonged to country clubs. My parents belonged to country clubs in three different states. Um, and we were very much brought up with like country club rules. You had to have a certain um, etiquette and attitude or else you would not be respected. You'd be like looked down on if you didn't fit a particular mold. Um, and that included not talking about money, not bragging about anything. Did I grow up fairly normal? Um, I would say no. I think I wouldn't have had that realization had all of our money not gone. My parents definitely spent way more than they should have, 
and my mother and her brother both went through all of my grandparents' money. I am very much right from the bat trying to be way better with money than my parents and my grandparents were because I just watched them waste all this money. I mean, it was wasted on me, so there's a sense of like guilt in myself for allowing that to happen, but also I was a child and I wasn't going to say no. But looking back, it, it's, it's definitely frustrating. I did struggle with depression a lot, and I think a lot of it is just like the guilt of the money that was being spent on me when I knew it wasn't going to last. Yeah, just kind of like waiting for a moment where it would all end was just like a constant thought in my head. But then when it did end, it was it was relieving. Um, I feel better without it. Alright everyone, thank you for joining me for another illustrious episode of Tales of Taboo. My name is Allie Weiss and you can contact me on Instagram at Allie Weiss World. My email is AllieWeissWorld at gmail.com. Questions, comments, complaints, love letters, hate notes, I'm open to it all. And if you write to me, I will respond. Another casual but forceful reminder, please, please, if you love this show, if you like my work, even if you hate my work, if you have a smidgen of a soul, please write me a review on iTunes, smash those five stars, write a sentence about why you love me or why you hate me. Seriously, every review is so helpful for somebody in my position who has a nice little community, but not Joe Rogan size, you know, and we all want to be Joe Rogan size. We all want the hundred million dollar deal. But on the topic of the hundred million dollars, you know, the moral of the story this week, as it is every week of my podcast, every episode I've ever made and that I will continue to make is please remember that there is always more than meets the eye whether it has to do with the circumstances that somebody was born into or the world that they've built for themselves. We cannot keep rejecting labels as a society, but still insist on putting people into boxes. And even in situations where somebody seems like they cannot possibly be more privileged, there is always darkness. There is always a yin and there is always a yang. And even if it seems like you could not possibly have more differences from somebody, the commonality will always be that we are all human and we are all just trying to find our way and make sense of a life that often feels like it's nothing but a simulation. I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but have love, have compassion, have open arms and open ears because there is going to be another episode this coming Wednesday. Nice little bonus for you. And then the following week picking up every Monday as you become accustomed to. I love you. I see you. I hear you. I appreciate you. And thank you for doing the same for me. I'll see you soon. Bye.